afternoon, San Mark family. Welcome to our last part, part four of our series here called Scroll here at The Eight. So just last night, my wife and I watched a documentary called The Social Dilemma. So somebody who's been watching the, the previous three parts of the series here, Scroll, texted me and said, hey, Father Nate, you got to check out this documentary that just got released this month called The Social Dilemma. So we watched it. It is mind blowing. The science behind uh, Silicon Valley and the engagement of, of, of how we're wired, of how we're so addicted to social media, they know what they're doing. Part of the, part of the documentary had an interview with my man, uh, Aza Raskin. I talked about him in, part, in uh, part one of this series. He is the inventor of the infinite scroll and how he regrets inventing it. Like think about it, we probably do it multiple times every day, at least once an hour probably, of just scrolling on our phone. So he regrets inventing it. So you have to check out this, um, this documentary, fascinating. But after obviously you watch The Eight. So growing up, my favorite video game to play on PlayStation 1, believe it or not, is a video game called Need for Speed. I loved Need for Speed uh, I loved car racing games. Like it was, it was, it was awesome. And in the first version of the game, what was so cool about it is that you can just like continually press the gas button and just keep on pressing the pedal and just go. And like, regardless if it's a sharp turn or whatever, like even if you hit the wall, you hit a house, you hit another car or whatever, the car will just blink and just get back on the main road with the rest of the drivers. So since that was a trick, like I was just always on the go always pressing the gas, and if I went first place, great, but I just kept on going, 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 regardless of what I hit. But as technology improved and video game, uh, the, the industry improved, other versions of the game became more realistic, in which I had to slow down on turns before I make it. I couldn't just keep on going and hit the wall, because uh, if I did that, I would damage the car, then I have to pay to repair the car. It got really fancy and very detailed uh, in the game. So it became more realistic. This is true not only in, in the video game, this is true in our life as well. We cannot, hopefully you don't do this, we cannot just keep on pressing the gas while we're driving. We cannot keep on putting pedal to the metal. There has to be time for the car to rest because if we continue to do that, the car will burn out. And not just the car, but the driver will burn out as well. Here's a word that makes you uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable for sure, being so task-oriented. The word is rest. We like it in theory. Like the idea of resting, yeah, it's nice. But the second we think about it for more than two seconds, we can't, I, I can't. I have to go on, I, I'm so behind, I need to do this, I gotta be doing this. We wake up just on the go, checking our phone, ready to just go, what's our next thing for today? We fill up our Google Calendar, we're always on the go. So the idea of resting makes us uncomfortable. And let's face it, it is so countercultural. It goes against the fabric of our country and, and how society is run. We're always doing the next best thing. Go chase your dreams. Go do this, go that, right? We're always we're talking about it. And let's face it, I'm, I'm the first and foremost to be guilty of this. And listen, out of all the talks of this series, this hits home to me more than any other talk because I'm extremely guilty of this, of just always being on the go, always doing stuff. The idea of resting makes us guilty. When I do anything, even just last night, just watching the documentary, I felt guilty. I feel like I should be responding back to messages, calling people from church. I felt like I should be doing something. The idea of resting, it's just so foreign to us. It makes us uncomfortable since our society is just, just go get them. It was our, we grow up with that mentality in our society. So the idea of resting is so counter-cultural. Before coronavirus pandemic, before the quarantine, like I'd ask people, you know, how are you doing? For the most part, I would always get two responses. 
I'm good, but just just tired. Like I'm tired. Just, just what? and the other response I get is just we're just busy. This is just a busy season right now. The kids with soccer practice and school and activities and on the go and vacation. So it's always either tired or busy. Now our heavenly administrator, through the through the quarantine of summer 2020. We had a time of no activities. Things were canceled, practices was canceled, everything was canceled, your trip was canceled, everything was canceled. But we were still saying that we were tired. We're not busy anymore, but we're still tired. These are mind-blowing statistics. 53% of us, so more than half of us, do not intentionally schedule time in our schedule of rest. Because it, it's awkward, it's weird to set up time for rest. We fill up our schedule. We make sure that every hour, every evening is packed, every weekend is packed. We go hard from Friday night to Sunday night before we go back to work, right? We go hard. So we're always busy, but not more than half of us do not intentionally schedule time to rest. This is mind-blowing. I need some of you to explain this to me. I don't know why any of you guys would do this. Majority of you do not use all your PTO at work. You literally are working for free. You would rather work for your company and, and work long hours instead of using your paid time off. You would rather let it expire by the end of the year instead of you using it. I need someone to explain this. Like, why are you working for free? Anyway, maybe I don't get it. I'm, I'm not in the workforce. But anyway, that is mind-blowing. So I don't know. I need someone to explain that to me. Like I said, like I'm guilty of us just being so task oriented of always on the go and the idea of rest being so foreign. Like even something like I like to ask people is like, what are you doing? What are you up to? What are you doing this weekend? It's always doing, right? You would feel uncomfortable. You would maybe feel guilty or embarrassed to say, you know what? I'm resting. I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm just resting. It makes, we feel guilty. We feel kind of awkward. Like we feel like we got nothing going on in our life. What? We always have to be on the go. It has to be doing something, right? We have to fill up our schedule. So it makes us uncomfortable of the idea of rest. So many people tell me, hey, Father Nate, I know you're busy, but do you mind X, Y, and Z? And ask for a favor or whatever the case might be. I don't like that, that sense. I know you're busy, but can you do this? Listen, we're all busy. You're busy, right? You're probably doing multiple things as you're watching or listening to the A right now. We're busy, we're all busy, but we choose what we're busy with. We're all busy, but we choose what we're busy with. So like that idea of like, I know you're busy or I'm busy, all of us are busy, okay? All of us are busy, but for many of us, we choose what we're busy with. If we look at the design of this world, if we look at the design of this universe, and we look at the divine designer of this world, we see that God, the Trinity, had a, a rhythm, a routine, a structure, a template of how the world was created. We see that there being no form, God creating form, and then him filling this form. Okay, this is the model that we see for six days of creation, that there was, it was formless, he created a form, and then he filled it with plants and animals, so forth and so on. So we see this model for six days, and then to complete this template, on the seventh day, he describes the seventh day being the Sabbath or being rest, that God resting. That is so foreign to us, the idea of God resting. Like God being the being, him being the one who says, I am who I am, the one who is ineffable, incomprehensible, resting. Why does he need to rest? This template, 
The seven-day model and rhythm that he given us that is for us. It's not for God. God doesn't need a rest, but he's giving us a model for us to follow. And you know what? Last time I checked, he's the creator of you and me. It would be wise of us to maybe just be interested in what is this model of creation that is written by Moses that God describes for us. What is this model? What is this template of there being a day of rest? This Hebrew word Sabbath actually means to stop or to rest, to stop or to rest. So God stopping or resting on the seventh day, he's God, he doesn't need to rest, but he's wanting to give us this rhythm to life. Do you know why it's so hard for us to rest? Like there's multiple answers to this, but it all comes down to one fine point. We have a hard time trusting someone than ourselves. Like for us to rest and things and expect things to run smoothly for our for things to get done, it makes us uncomfortable. Honoring the Sabbath is a version of trust. Honoring the Sabbath is a version of trust. Listen, I'm guilty of it as well. That when we're resting, we feel like, well, I, I should be doing this. I need to catch up on this. Like this is my opportunity to catch up. So the idea of just resting is so foreign to us but it is a version of trust. For us to trust our life does not belong to us, but for me to trust in someone bigger than myself. It is so hard for us to honor the Sabbath. And God instilled this not only in the first week of, of world creation, but he instilled this in humanity throughout, throughout history. He kept on instilling in them the idea of rest to the point he says, listen, I got you. Like I'm gonna take care of what you need on, on, on Sunday, but you, you need to build the virtue of rest into the rhythm of your weekly routine, into your family, into your, your body needs rest. This is true biologically, this is true spiritually, this is true for cars, like this, this is true for every aspect of life. And God has been trying to instill that in humanity from the beginning of creation. Here's another foreign concept to us. Work from rest, not rest from work. Work from rest, not rest from work. This is how you and I are wired. Let's go, 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 go. Let's go hard. Let's, let's put in a lot of hours and then we'll rest. Then we'll take time to rest. And then we'll go on vacation after we get X, Y, and Z done. Like this is how many of us think. Okay, let me work hard and then I'll be able to rest. The reality is that God created in the opposite format. For us to rest and then work from the rest. Think about this. In this, te in this template that God has given us, he gives six days of, of, of work that God does of, of creation, seventh day of the Sabbath of, of rest. Then he tells humanity, he tells Adam and Eve, okay, now you are the overseer of vegetation, of creation, of the plants and animal, animals. Now you are in charge to, to, to monitor and to manage uh, 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 the, the, all of creation. So he, gives, he instills in them the idea of rest, instills in that virtue, and then they work from rest. We do the exact opposite. We work, 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 then we rest. And then when we are resting on vacation, we're thinking of the next vacation. We're thinking of what's next. We're always on the go. Maybe if you're probably thinking this, if you haven't already, I promise you, you are right now. Man, I don't have time to rest. It's easy for you to say this, Father Neighbor, you don't know my schedule. You don't know how many things I have to do and how many things I'm behind in. You don't get it. I don't have time to rest. Let's look at the concept of time for a second. 
We have, you have 48 hours in a day, I have 48 hours in a day. But the time that you and I have been entrusted with does not belong to us. You and I are here for a purpose and we have been entrusted with that time, but we have to give that time back to him. It's not up to us to manage and own every minute of the, of the time. That if we follow this template of resting and then working from rest, this is where you and I will see huge differences in our lives and our responsibilities and how we view hardship. Think about this. How many of us have said something or done something because we were exhausted or burnt out? We hurt someone or we said the wrong thing in that meeting or we forgot something because we're, we're, we're exhausted, we're burnt out. But if we follow the model of that, my time belongs to him. So if my time belongs to God, then I, let me follow the model that, 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 that he has given me. I promise you, he will bless the time that you give him and you will see fruit in the other, and, and you being more productive, you being more efficient with the time that you have. This is time management skills, is that I'm able to set healthy boundaries for other aspects of my life. If I begin with him and then move the rest of the day forward, if I begin the week with him and then move forward with the rest of my responsibilities, you will see huge difference. You will see him ordaining the rest of your time if you consecrate a time for him in honoring the Sabbath. This truth applies to our finances as well. We talked about this in a previous series at the eight. Your money is not yours. My money is not mine. I've been entrusted with this. But if I give back and have a healthy, divine view of finances, and I give to him what belongs to him, I offer to him what, what should be offered to him, then I'm able to have a clear view of how to manage the rest of my money. So it has to begin of, 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 of rest and then work. I offer to him what is his, and then I'm entrusted with, with, with what I have left. Like I said, God made this clear to humanity from, from beginning of creation, and he made that clear to humanity as we be, be, began to evolve. The icon of God now, God in flesh, Jesus wanted to even make this even more clear to us. Think about this. If you are a radical rabbi that, that is shifting culture and, and, and really radicalizing society in a healthy way, everyone is so appealed to Jesus. Like everyone was attracted to who he is, what he was doing, the miracles that he was doing. Maybe some people are going to him just because they want another free fish sandwich. I don't know. Maybe some people are wanting him to, to heal their cousin, their mother, their aunt. Like people are always tugging at Jesus literally to get a piece of him just for because they want something from him. We also have record from the gospels where during those times where Jesus would kind of step away, where he would leave the crowd and he would go and be in solitude, in stillness in connecting with his heavenly father. He would get away from his responsibilities and connect with God in silence. He's God. He's God incarnate. He is Jesus. He's God in a bod. He doesn't have to do that, but he's doing that to show us the model of life. He's showing us the fullness of life by, uh, for us to set healthy boundaries. Listen, I'm talking to myself first and foremost. This is so tough for us to do for us to walk away from a task or responsibility that we feel we have to do in order for me to connect with God, in order for me to find the divine definition of rest, it requires me to look at the divine designer of rest. So many people gave Jesus a hard time about rest. Um, and, and, and the idea of the Sabbath, excuse me, they gave him a hard time about the Sabbath, like where Jesus would be serving on the Sabbath. And the legalism uh, of the people would say, hey, you can't be doing that. You, this is the Sabbath. You're not supposed to, you just breathe and that's it. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. Well, Jesus made it clear to them, listen, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for humanity, not man for the Sabbath. 
He's telling them that the Sabbath is, is designed for them to, to prioritize their time and, and put it in the right order for them to rest. And, and, and it's not just for them to just follow this, this command and just for the sake of following it. But you need to understand the essence of what it's for. So, and I can apply that to, to, to the beauty and richness of our ancient faith, of the Orthodox faith, of our pre-denominational faith, that all the rituals that people, you can look at it from outside and you can say, oh, the Orthodox Church is all about doing this and doing that and fast this way and pray this way and, and do the sign of the cross this way. And, 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 and you can look at it in a dry legalistic way. But if you're doing that, you're missing the point that all this is for our edification. It's not for God. It's not like God says, oh, good job, you fasted. Oh, good job, you honored the Sabbath. It's for our own health. It's for us to find the fullness of life. It's not just about doing it and checking a box. But it's, it's for in strengthening in, in, in our intimate bond and our relationship with God. It's for our own, own health. It's not just about checking a box. Now, what's the balance between, okay, you know what? I do need to rest. I also need to work. Like, how, what's the balance between the two? So hear me out on this. I need to put aside what I am doing for who I am becoming. Again. I need to put aside what I am doing for who I am becoming. Our reflex is do, 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 go, 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 scroll, 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 right? We're always on the go. I need to set aside, I need to have discernment to know the balance between, between what I'm doing and resting. But I need to put time aside where I put aside what I'm doing in order for me to embrace the question, who am I becoming? This is a little bit philosophical, but go along with me. I love this meditation. An ancient description that we have for God is we call him the being. Even in liturgical worship, we say, oh God, the great, the being. We describe God being the being because there is no language, there's no terminology used to describe God in, in, in the fullest way. Even in, in ancient tradition, we use apophatic theology to describe God. That's a fancy word of, of just saying that we use the, the, the negative of a, of a word to describe what God, of who God is. For example, we would say that God is incomprehensible. He is ineffable. So we use the, the, the negation to describe who he is because God, he describes himself as being, I am who I am. So he is the fullness of life. So the, any word I use to describe who he is falls short. So we say that he is the being. You and I describe ourselves as being human beings. We describe ourselves being human beings because our original divine design is being the icon, being in the image of likeness of the being. So we're human beings. But we live our lives as if we are human doings. We do, right? Sometimes we just do. We're always on the go, fill the schedule, always on, we wake up, we check our phone, we're doing, 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 doing. So instead of us being human doings, we need to embrace the reality that we are human becomings. We are becoming like the being because we are created as human beings, being the icon of the being. So we need to, to have clarity on who we are. So I need to put aside what I am doing for who I am becoming. When we think of rest, you might be thinking, yeah, after a long day, kids went to bed, that's time for me to pull up my phone and kind of scroll away and get lost on the next YouTube video, next scroll, next pointless video, whatever. And I just lose sight. That's not the rest I'm talking about. 
Because let's face it, even after going brain dead on our phone, even after vacation, some of us still feel tired, right? We're still desiring rest. So the fullest essence of rest that I'm talking about is for us to find rest with the divine designer of rest. For us to find rest with the designer of rest. If I'm wanting to find the fullest essence of what rest is, let me ask the designer of the Sabbath. Let me ask the designer of, of this model, rhythm, template of life for us to have a, a day designated for rest. Think about this. Don't, uh, this, this is a, a great IT trick for anyone that struggles with technology or whatever. You've heard this before. When something's not working, when your phone's not working, they recommend, somebody will tell you, or your customer service will tell you, well, have you turned it off and on? Or family member or somebody will tell you, well, did you turn it off? Did you try to reboot it, right? That solves many of our IT problems, just restarting the computer, restarting our phone. That's true for us as well. This is not only true for cars, it's not only true uh, for a car to rest or for a phone to rest. This is true for us, right? You get this in every aspect of life. We get it, but we do not prioritize it because we lose sight or we lost clarity of how this is the original design of who you and I are. There is an early Christian by the name of Saint Isaac. He, from, he was from Syria, from the seventh century. Here is someone, I don't wanna say the word mastered, but he, struggled to, to live a life of solitude, of, of, of stillness, of connecting with God in, 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 in a very clear and beautiful way in his life. And he wrote many amazing things of his experience with God through uh, building this virtue of stillness. And this is one of the things that St. Isaac said. The soul that loves God has its rest in God and in God alone. The soul that loves God has its rest in God and in God alone. In all the paths that men walk in this world, they do not attain peace until they draw nigh to hope in God. What is something that St. Isaac un understood that we kind of struggle with? Rest can only come from God. That if I want to embrace hope, if I want to embrace the epitome of, of rest, it has to come from the divine designer of rest himself. Okay, bear with me on this second quote. This is a little bit heavier, but I love this quote from St. Isaac. The Lord's Day, the Lord's Day, which he's talking about Sunday, the Lord's Day is a mystery of the knowledge of the truth. The Lord's Day which is, he's talking about the epitome of the Sabbath is me abiding in God through his body and blood. This is the holy mysteries. This is holy communion he's talking about. The Lord's day is a mystery of the knowledge of the truth. Like it's a mystery. How 2,000 years later we are abiding in, in the body and blood of Christ. Jesus made that clear to us. You can check that out yourself. That's how we are called to abide in him mystically. So he's in the Lord's day is a mystery of the knowledge of the truth that is not received by flesh and blood. He's saying it's not received by, by, by my, my logic. Like for me to embrace the reality that me honoring the Sabbath involves me accepting the invitation for me to abide in his body and blood, this is above flesh and blood, this is above logic. There's nothing I can tell you at the A, there's nothing I can tell you for you to embrace that reality, but God is a self-revealing God. And he made that clear to us through his son Jesus as far as the reality of the mystery of communion. From the beginning. 
The Lord's day is a mystery of the knowledge of the truth that is not received by flesh and blood. And it, this reality of the Lord's day, transcends speculations. Transcends, like, for me to sit there and speculate, well, so, like, how, how am I, am I going to receive truth by, by the mysteries of communion? Like, that transcends speculation. Like, for me to embrace that reality of, of, of communion, that, that transcends logic. This is something above comprehension. So from the beginning, and, and we'll, uh, let, let's, let's continue with what St. Isaac said. For he who said that God rested on the seventh day signified the rest of our nature from the course of this life. For he, so God, the God who said God rested on the seventh day signified the rest of our nature from the course of this life. So St. Isaac is reiterating what we've already been saying, that the one who said that he rested on the seventh day is giving us this model for our lives to follow. He's giving us that model for us to follow. Signify the rest of our nature from the course of this life. Since the grave is also of a bodily nature and belongs to this world. So when he says the word grave, he's talking about uh, earthly rest. He's talking about for us to find rest in God. Since the grave is also of a bodily nature and belongs to this world. He's saying, St. Isaac is saying, we belong in this world like we're in this temporal world. This is our temporal home. So biologically, our body needs rest. Our cells need rest. Our mental health needs rest. Like this is true of, of every aspect of who we are. This is also true for our spiritual being. This is true for our spiritual nature. So, this, so me finding rest or being in the grave, that, that's the language he's using. This is true for my bodily nature as well. He continues. Six days are accomplished in the husbandry of life by means of keeping the commandments. So husbandry means like care or management. So he's saying this. Six days are accomplished by management or care of life by means of keeping the commandments. So he's saying I can make it through a six-day week. Make it, I can manage my life. I can care for my life by following the guidelines, by following the commandments that God has given me. God has not given me commandments to make my life miserable or to take away joy. No, he's, he's wanting to give me life. He's wanting to give me joy. So these commandments guide me on that path. So six days are accomplished in the husbandry of life by means of keeping the commandments. The seventh is spent entirely in rest. The seventh is spent entirely in the grave. So he's reiterating that this model template, I can, I, I, for me to, to find the fullness of life, requires me to, to align my life with the being, with his commandments. The seventh is spent entirely in rest. He continues, and the eighth is the departure from it. I love this. So bear with me on what, he, what, what St. Isaac is saying. Six days is I, it, me living life and managing my life, aligning myself with God's commands. Seventh day is a day for me to rest in him. It's for me to rest in the divine designer of rest. For me to find time of stillness. For me to abide in him through the holy mysteries. For me to be engaged in him in liturgical worship. This is what St. Isaac is saying. The eighth day is my departure from this temporal world. The eighth day is new life. This is why, my friends, the eight is called, the, the second service here at St. Mark Church, this is why it's called the eight. The eight reflects the reality of new life, a new way of thinking. A new start. The eighth day is a new week. 
So St. Isaac is using the spiritual meditation to say, okay, the seven, seven days can reflect the, the model that we follow in this world, that we follow his command in order for us to embrace his love. Seventh day is for me to embrace rest in him. The eighth day is my departure from this temporal world for me to find eternal rest in my eternal home. This is where you and I will be one day. This is what you and I desire and pursue. But you and I are here for a purpose. You have been entrusted with amazing gifts, if you realize it or not, to make an amazing, beautiful impact in this world. But for us to be productive in this world, for us to have clarity on the reality of who he is in our lives requires us to embrace the reality of rest. It requires us to prioritize this, for us to work from rest. That if we follow this model that our Heavenly Father has given us, this is where we can find life. Listen, we're pulled on so many directions to just scroll away, to be busy, to be human doings. But if we can have clarity on, 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 on us being human becomings, and for us to become the icon of who He is, it requires us to be emotionally healthy, as we have talked about in this series, and for me to embrace the reality of rest. For us to have discernment of, of how do I utilize the gifts that God has given me for, must, for me to have clarity on my role in this world. But part of that, that has to be packaged with me living a life of rest and embracing the Sabbath with Him. I pray that this can become a reality for you and me. The eighth day is the new life in which you and I desire because you and I know there's more to life than this. Let us bow our heads for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, you have created us in an amazing way for us to be the, 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 the reflection and reality of your love in this world. Lord, we pray that this, this love and this light shines within us in a new way. For us to have clarity on our beautiful purpose in this world, because Lord, nothing you do is, 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 is unintentional or by accident or coincidence. Everything is, is there to lead us to your love. Lord, I pray that we can be more emotionally healthy like King David is, or as he was, for us to, to find times in our, in our daily routine, in our weekly routine, for us to find your love, to find us, for us to find your truth in who you are, for us to, to build the virtue of honoring the Sabbath, a time for us to find true rest in you. Through the prayers of St. Isaac and St. Mark, the beholder of God in all your sins, Lord, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys for attending the 8 and uh, hope to see you next week. Take care.